Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. Welcome to a special episode of the Mikvah.org podcast in honor of Yitzvat. Today's episode is sponsored the Ule Nishmas Dvorlea Bas Reb Mordechai Tzvi Strucks. So today we have a special guest, Mrs. Sarah Blau, noted author and lecturer, who will be focusing on Basi Lagani, how do I make my home a part of the garden? Thank you so much for being with us today. So there was a store owner that had a grocery and he had certain items that just, you know, wanted, they weren't selling. So he was trying to come up with different ways to make it move. And he realized that when you advertise a sale, people are gonna buy those items. And so he picked, thank you. <coughs> he picked asparagus and he put up a sign and he said, Small bundle of asparagus, 25 cents each, three for a dollar. Very cheap. 25 cents each, three for a dollar. And the first woman comes in, sees the sign, says, what are you talking about? Three for 25 cents each, three for a dollar. Give me four. It's like, okay, you know what? You're right. Okay, fine. Gives her four. Next person walks into the store, you know, looks at the sale items and says, 25 cents, three for a dollar. What are you talking about? I want four for a dollar. Okay, fine. And the clerk is watching from behind and is like, um, aren't you going to fix that sign? Like you're going to wait for every single person to tell you that doesn't make sense to say 25 cents, three for a dollar. He looked at him and he said, are you kidding me? I never was able to sell asparagus before in my life. I'm not changing that sign. Sometimes what looks like a mistake is actually not a mistake, but it highlights and brings attention to something. Whether he did it on purpose or not, the fact that what he said made no sense, made every single person outsmart him and make sure to get their money's worth of asparagus or green beans or whatever else it is. Because it's a mistake but it's really an invitation. It's drawing your eye to something. It's like, you know, this beautiful white ceiling, there would be a hole in it or something. It would, it would draw my attention to it. And a lot of times in life, something can happen to us that seems like a mistake. It shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't be this way. It's wrong. It's not good. It's not comfortable. It's not pleasant. And really it's an invitation. Something needs attention here. That's what I want to talk about a little bit tonight. Basi Lagani, Hashem came to his garden. And from when we were little kids, when it comes to Yitzvah, they give out little flower ice cream desserts and everyone's busy making, you know, colorful flower gardens and we're busy decorating trees and flowers and everything looks beautiful. And we can even spit back a lot of the comment, a lot of the concepts from Basi Lagani. We know it by heart, whatever. Seven generations down, seven generations up. Obviously, small stories, blah, 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 blah. We could spit it back. We know it. We hear the kids sing it. But really, what I'd love to do is let's think through an adult lens. What is this message of Basi Lagani? What, how could we apply it in a way where we're not just spitting back the concepts that we always knew. And that's what it really did for me. As soon as Hasi sent me the flyer about making our home a garden and I started learning Basi Lagani, I'm like, wait, wow, wow. You know, there's a huge difference. I remember when I was in seminary, Mrs. Hedrick did this little experiment to us. She like wrote out a whole story to us and then asked questions. But the story sounded something like this. The Vlark, um, Beard did over the Dlark and Verberanded under the Tlark and asked 
And then she asked the question, like, what verberanded around the Clark? And you could just say Vlark. And you have no idea what you're talking about, but you can actually mm -hmm. spit back the answers mm -hmm. because the way the sentence was written, you know, was like, yeah, we can all spit back that the Shina came down and then the Shina went back up and that this is a garden and, and it's so beautiful. But do we actually understand what we're saying? And the truth is, we might have a little bit of understanding of what we're saying, but are we applying it to our life? Are we applying it to the mistakes, to the things that look off or imperfect in our life, this concept of the garden of Basilagani? So I'd love to be able to review some of the concepts in the Mimer, then together like apply it in a general sense. And then my challenge to you is, as we're talking, as we're relearning these concepts of Basilagani, pick one thing where this would apply to you and see how you can really experience this idea of what seems like a mistake is really drawing your attention to something that needs to be fixed. So let's go back to the beginning. Basilagani, that Hashem says, he came to this garden, right? Hashem was here before. And the way um, the Medrash understands it is not just Hashem came to his garden. As a kid growing up, we always hear about the garden, but the truth is it's not just a garden, it's Gnuni. Gnuni is a bridal chamber. And what the Mimer explains is that actually, when we're talking about Hashem coming to a place, we're not just coming to like, you know, botanical gardens. He's not just taking a stroll in a pretty garden. It's Gani, it's my garden. And it's not just a garden, it's Gnuni, it's a bridal chamber. In the olden days, the way it would happen is that for the entire seven days of Shavabrachas, the chasen and the kala would be in like a little chamber. That's where they hung out. And people would come during the day to visit them and congratulate them. And then at night, you know, it was closed. So when Hashem is talking about coming to this world and revealing himself in this world and re-coming back after the Shina left and came back, we're not talking about Hashem just being here like strolling in a garden. This world is where Hashem considers his intimate bridal chamber. This is where Hashem's essence is revealed. It's not just a casual thing you're taking a stroll. This world, which seems so dark, it almost seems like a mistake. This is Gnuni. This is the world that Hashem is revealing his essence in. Not in the higher worlds, not in any other world. The, Mimer, the whole point of the Mimer is to say, wake up. This is it. This is where it's at. This is where Hashem wants to be revealed in the most intimate way. Still a disconnect. So let's take it further. How, how, how does this... How does this connect? Where are we going with this? How did Hashem reveal himself in this world? Hashem told Maisha to make a mishkan. And again, I could have spit this back at you, but when I started thinking about each step, I was like, oh, make a mishkan. Out of what? What are the crushing? What is the mishkan made out of? This intimate place, this bridal chamber that we're talking about, Hashem revealing himself in the biggest, in, the, in like the most essential, beautiful way that Hashem would reveal himself. You know what it's made out of? It's made out of atzeshitim. It's made out of wood. And the Rebbe explains, it's made out of wood, which comes from the same word as shtus, shtus, the klipa. I never stopped to think of this growing up. We just repeated, Hashem, atzeshitim, and shtus, the I'm like, wait, wait. Hashem revealed himself in the ultimate way in this world, in the Mishkan, made out of our klipa, made out of our shtus de klipa. And we're not hearing wrong. How is it possible that the building blocks of the Mishkan is our shtus de klipa? What is shtus de klipa anyways? And the Maimar goes on to say that a person doesn't do an Avera unless there's a Ruach unless we get like a foolish thought in our mind. What does that mean? Anything that you are struggling with right now, anything that you are struggling with in your personal life, in your family life, anything is really Shtustaklipa. Now the Krashim of the Mishkan, the Maimar explains, 
has the same letters as the word sheker. If you are struggling with something, whether it's an Avera or anything negative in your life, you're struggling with anger, with bitterness, with sadness, with jealousy, anything that you're struggling with. Hard kids. So what's the, the struggle part is because you're believing a lie, right? Let's say my kids are, 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 are making a mess and they're screaming and they, and what makes me lose it? The thought that makes me lose it is I believe a lie. So let me, let me unpack it. What's the lie I'm believing? It shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this hard. That's the thought that makes me struggle with the hard kids. Otherwise the, the holy thought is I'm the mother. I'm perfectly empowered. Hashem, everything that Hashem wants to be happening is happening at the moment. It's not out of control. What makes me lose it is the thought that it shouldn't be this way. What makes me get angry? What makes me get angry if someone's late, if someone's filled, if someone's like, if the kid's catching? The thought, you shouldn't be late. You shouldn't have, 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 have made such a mess. You shouldn't have been so close. Like you shouldn't have come. You, you shouldn't have destroyed the entire, you shouldn't have hit your brother. The thought, just the klipa, any struggle that we're going through. So it's not just a sin. And a veer is also a lie. The lie could be, it's fine. I'm just biting my nails on Chavez. The lie could be, I'm just saying a small Ashan It doesn't matter. I'm not listening. There's always sheker. There's always a lie that I'm believing. And that's the work. So one second, we're saying that the sheker, the lie is how to make the, the mishkan. I never thought of it this way. Hashem is revealing himself in this world. The building blocks are my lies. How? How does it go from being and a lie to being the building blocks for Hashem's home, for making my home a garden or a bridal chamber. And that's the whole point of the Mimer. Because we take something that's a lie, we take the sheker, and we reveal the truth. And that's where Hashem wants to be revealed. Hashem doesn't want to be revealed up there. Hashem wants to be revealed where there's potential for disillusionment. There's potential for us to, to, to be so turned off from people, from places, from situations. Hashem wants to reveal himself. Hashem's essence gets revealed, not in the angels, in the perfect world, in the spiritual worlds. Hashem gets revealed every time I turn darkness into light. Every time I'm faced with struggle and I overturn it. It's like there was a guy who was flying, he usually fly United and he decided to fly El Al. And he comes on the airplane and he's trying to stuff his carry-on into the overhead compartment and it's not fitting. So the stewardess comes over to him and says, I'm so sorry, you're gonna have to check in that bag. And he says to her, um, you know, I've flown many times before and this was never a problem for me. When I used to fly United, I just never had this issue. And she looks at him and says, yeah, well, when you used to fly United, I never had this issue of you too. <laughs> if we never had the darkness, we would never have a struggle. But if we never had the darkness, Hashem wouldn't have us overcoming the struggle. This is where Hashem reveals his essence. Nowhere else. It's not a mistake. It's not a malfunction. This is by design. The Mishkan is created from Ate Shitim. The Mishkan is created from Shtustaklipa, something that's illogical and that makes no sense, being transformed into Shtustakadusha. In the end of the day, it's not logical. If I'm perfectly logical, Hashem runs the world. So anything that happens is fine. So I would never have a reason to get angry. Shkayach, but we're human. We believe the lies. So our work of darkness to light is identifying the lies. That's what the Rebbe says, the milchama, the war, where it's Sivas Hashem. What's the war? What are we fighting? We're fighting the lies that are Yitzhah Hara, that are Nefesh Bahamas, that the outside world is patiently feeding us consistently. We're not good enough. We're, we're, we're incompetent. Each one of us has like this custom-made lie. And it's not true. It's like, you know, when, when there's an IMAX 
remember going when as a kid you go to these like science museums and there's like fish coming out and little kids get scared they think there's something real there's a boogie monster there's something scary and you tell them it's nothing it's not real it's like you can put your hand through it it's light it's nothing it's not a real scary thing but yet anything that we are afraid of fall victim to any of our negative emotions or experiences or challenges, somewhere always there's a lie that we need to identify. And it's not a malfunction. There's nothing wrong. This is where Hashem gets joy. This is where Hashem gets pleasure. Whatever it is that my taiva is, my taiva, my struggle could be there's no end. Anything that it says in Tyre, you're not allowed to do, means that as a human, you would want to do it. That means you would have a tithe in your thought. That means you would have a tithe in your speech. You would have a tithe in your action. So instead of feeling down by all our struggles and challenges, it's like a total mind switch. This is where Hashem makes his garden. This is exactly what Hashem is talking about, bringing the Shina here where there's potential for darkness in my personal life. And the thing is that if in my own life, I look at it that way, I will automatically look at it that way with my children. If I struggle with saying the truth, with, with, with anything that I'm having such a hard time with, and I look at it as an opportunity to draw Hashem's essence down to bring light, then when my child is struggling with something, when a neighbor, a friend, a mushba, somebody that I have influence on is struggling with something, I will look at it as an opportunity for joy, as an opportunity for growth. So there's two, the truth is that there's really two different ways that we could be dealing with this challenge. I'm going to say the Hebrew words that we always put back and then let's, let's try to bring it down. The first way of dealing with the challenge is what the mimer calls iskafia. You don't give into it. You want to yell and scream and you don't. You want to hit your, you know, a, a child wants to hit their sibling. We want to, whatever it is that our, our, you know, MOs, our, our way, our Yitzhahara tries to get us down, not be honest, anything. Sorry. Yes, thank you. The, you know, the, the, the nature and personality of each of our individual Yetzirahs. So sometimes what we need to do is just not do them, right? Iskafe is not doing it. There are certain things that the only way to overcome it is to not do it, right? And I'm using this as a muscle, but like perhaps not eating sugar. Right. For me, that was a very big deal. I struggled with sugar for many, many years for food. And the only thing that worked for me was to not eat it. Fine. Escafia, not to yell, not to scream, not to, to you know, and, and that's how we, we control it. But there's a lot of beauty and opportunity for turning darkness into light with Ishapcha. And that's what I want to spend more time on channeling it. Take that thing that you thought was negative and figure out how to use it in a positive way. That Friedrich actually goes through a few different personality traits, right? You have children, you have students. And the Friedrich Rebbe says, for example, let's say there's a kid that is very humble. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? It can be very negative. You're so humble. A kid has such a low self-esteem, they can't learn. They think so bad about themselves. They're insecure. It could be, it could be a negative thing. It could be a lie of the Sahara. It could be Sheker. The job of the Mechanech is to exactly use this nature and teach the child how to be humble, how to not step on other people's toes, how to acknowledge other people's opinions, how to be health, how to be humble in a healthy way, not in its negative ramifications, but in its positive ways of expression. The exact opposite. Somebody who has a lot of confidence, is that good or bad? 
Exactly. It could be negative. It could be Sheker. Someone whose confidence could be very arrogant, could step all over people, could, make, could, could, could do really stupid things because they just are impulsive. Whatever they desire, they do. You know, those kids who just, every new gadget that comes out, I want it. But hey, confidence could be a very positive thing. If you're not confident, you can't learn. You have a child that's confident, teach him to channel it. So the paradigm that Basi Lagani is saying is we tend to get very down when we see an imperfection in ourselves or other people. We get frustrated. How can we fix it? We run around trying to fix it. And a lot of emotional energy is wasted on not recognizing that this is exactly the way it's meant to be. This is where Hashem reveals his essence. You know, there was somebody who came by the Rebbe and said that he's very, very bothered because the more he gets to know people, the more he gets very disillusioned. Somebody seems very nice and outside. They're so sweet. They're so kind. They're so giving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get to know them and you see they're selfish. You see the start. They think just about themselves. He's starting to lose his faith in people. Anyone who he knows eventually disappoints him. And the rabbi gave him a mushroom. The rabbi said, if you would pass by a garden on the outside, you'll see pretty flowers. If you dig a little bit, you'll find mud. You'll find dirt. But if you dig a little more, when you dig deep into the ground, you could find precious metals. You could find gold. You could find diamonds. It's not a chachma to dig beneath the sur surface and find mud. <laughs> we could find mud on anybody. Go deeper. Find the diamonds. Find the gold. So Basiladani, we want to reveal Hashem's essence here in yourself and in other people. Find, you find the mud, it's not too hard. We know our mud. Now go deeper. Do a little iskafia. Do a little bit ishapcha. As I was learning the mimer, I, I actually felt like it was transformative. There was something specific that I was struggling with a lot lately. Suddenly I was like, the mimer, I felt like it was so empowering because that, the, the Friedrich Rebbe and the Rebbe in explaining Basilagani by the ISIS, um, and this year in the cycle, the Maimarim that are learned are Tafshan Chafbeis and Membeis, which are expounding on Tafshan Yufbeis. But the Rebbe says, we're not doing this battle by ourselves. We're not doing this battle of revealing the lie of the Nefesh Bahamas by ourselves. You know who's helping us? First of all, remember this. Remember this. If you come up with a really good argument, your Yitzhahara is smart enough, it could counteract you. If you just use regular tools to say no to yourself, your Yitzhahara is just as smart as you. What your Yitzhahara doesn't have is your essence, your atmos. There's nothing to the power of your etam and neshama. You have seichel and your nefesh like kiss. The Nefesh Bahamas has Seichel. You have Mides, you love Hashem. Your Nefesh Bahamas loves pizza and food and Taivas. The essence of Hashem. So, it, you know, again, growing up or in kid language, it sounds very theoretical. Oh, I have a deep reservoir of energy, of light that could help me. No, actually visualize. You have an Etzim and Hashem that can help you overcome whatever you're struggling with right now, whether it's getting the kids out of the house children, older children, family members, work, whatever struggle it is, you're not fighting the lies by yourself. Not just that. In this war, the Rebbe talks a lot in these Maimarim about the Eitzer. Hashem is throwing his very treasury at you. Remember, Hashem wants to be revealed in this world. Hashem wants his essence revealed here. That's all he wants. He wants to be in his bridal chamber. Where does his bridal chain? Where is his mishkan? Dafka with Ati Shitin. Every single time you take your shtus, you have an, a, a lie is presented at you that you have to act the same old ways you were acting until now, and you don't. Right? Tanya talks about kol Every single time you don't do it, you're revealing Hashem's essence. Hashem is throwing everything at you the ice race, the greatest light at you. 
you have it. And you're going to be revealing the greatest light. In, in Isyud Beis of the Friedrich Rebbe's Mimer, there's a lot of discussion. If you listen, Rabbi Jacobson gave like six classes just on it. It's very complicated. R and R in Scythe and, and is the light itself unlimited or is it unlimited light? And, and a lot of discussion about symptom. And the truth is the bottom line, where's it getting at? It's getting at that you have an unlimited light that's helping you. This Eitzer, this treasure, Hashem is giving it to you. Tap into it. Believe that you have it. Because the biggest lie that we tell ourselves is we can't do this. We can't handle it. We can't. Give up. And this mimer is empowering you. You can do it because you're not on your own. Hashem is helping you. One of my favorite stories, I repeat it so many times. I, my father told me growing up, but it, it, always, it always helps me. My father told me the story of this guy that was traveling on the road. It's a very, very, very heavy package. It was elderly man not, you know, no money to his name, with a very, very, very heavy load. And he's walking on the road and he sees a wagon, a wealthy looking wagon passing. And the wagon stops near him. And this yid, this wealthy looking yid said, do you want to ride? With such relief, he said, sure. And he took a seat in this wagon. And they continue traveling. And the rich Yid turns and looks at the poor Yid and he sees that he still has the package on his shoulder. He says, you're in my carriage, you're in my wagon, you could put it down. And he says, it's bad enough that you're giving me a ride. I don't want you to have to give my package a ride. The wagon already is carrying your weight. You're not helping anybody by carrying the weight. You can put the weight down. Must have been from hell, but we do it too. We get anxious and worried and we're busy carrying our package. We can relax. Hashem's got this. He's carrying us and our packages. Because I don't want to, I don't want to confuse when I'm saying you could do it, you could do it. I don't want to confuse giving up where we think like, oh, we can't do it and collapse to carrying needless burdens. The reason why we can do it is because Hashem is helping us. We don't need to stress as much as we do, as, as we are. Half of our stress is coming from the lies of the Yitzhar Hara. Will it be enough? Will it, will, relax. And again, we all do it. As I'm driving here in the car, I'm nervous. I get very anxious before I'm going to speak. What? Relax. Hashem to put the right words in your mouth. It's a constant it's a constant work. But what I'd love to invite us to do is to take away the disconnect between the Hebrew words we're spitting back about the mimer, eskafias, hapcha, darkness, light, krashim, and to see, we're talking about in our day-to-day -day life. What am I struggling with? How could I identify the lie of the Eight Sahara? How if I recognize the truth that Hashem is running this world and Hashem wants only good for me and Hashem is empowering me, how would that help me? If I let go, if I put the package down, how would I be able to transfer this lie into truth? I want to go through a number of examples that Rabbi Mendel Collinson included in his book, Positivity Bias, because he actually has a chapter called Channeling where he speaks about different darknesses, different lies of the Yetzirah, different shekers, shtustiklipas. And again, there's the Avera, but most of the day, we're not even necessarily struggling with an Avera as much as a emotion or difficulty or challenge of the Yetzirah and how the Rebbe teaches us to have his hapcha, to turn it, like we said before about the humility and the confidence. And I'm going to give you a couple examples, but don't pick all of them. Think one. How can you take this whole mahalach and apply it to one thing in your life? <clears throat> Something that you're struggling with means there's a lie. How could I identify the lie? That's the fight. The fight is revealing the truth of Hashem. 
the fight is making a Mishkan, not just by making little projects of pictures of Mishkans. The Mishkan is v'shachanti b'seicham Hashem revealing Himself inside of us. How? When we see through the lie. So I want to go through a few different scenarios. A couple once brought their daughter into the rabbi. And the daughter says to the rabbi, rabbi, I have a question. And the couple is a little embarrassed. They're trying to shush her up. No, 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 don't take the rabbi's time. And the rabbi said, no, let's give her the time. And she says, rabbi, I've been learning in school about the atom bomb, about atomic energy. I'm sorry. I've been learning about atomic energy. Is atomic energy good or bad? And the rabbi said to her, well, you have a knife in your kitchen. Is a knife good or bad? And she says, well, it depends how you use it. If you use it to cut vegetables, it's good. If somebody uses it to stab someone, it's bad. And the rabbi said, the same is for atomic energy. The same is for anything negative that we're struggling with. It depends how you use it. It depends how you overcome it. So we could use our minds to think, is this negative thing something that just we need a scafia for, like anger? I just need to realign and, and identify the truth, right? I'm angry at something because my somebody said something to me hurtful. And the lie is that either that it's true or that anything could happen without Hashem wanting it and that it's really coming from Hashem. Is it an Astafia thing or is it an Ashapcha thing? Is it something like the kitchen knife? Is it something that I could channel? There was a famous chassid of Rabbi Mordechai Leip, um, Leipler, I believe his name was, where he said that arrogance made him into the chassid that he was. Arrogance. Why? Because any time that he wanted to do something, this little grub, he'd tell himself, me, the big chassid? Pasnish. Someone's going to catch me doing that. Someone's going to hear. Someone finds out that I was, you know, a little dishonest with money, that I said Lashon Hara, that I dressed or went to a place that was questionable. Me? Now, again, we know that Hasidus puts such a value on Bittal. And yet Hasidim would take something that seems negative and say, okay, it's I have this trait. Now, what am I going to do to turn it into a Mishkan for Hashem and reveal Hashem's essence? And there were actually countless stories like that where people wrote into the rabbi, you know, I'm feeling full of myself. You know, I'm feeling, I do things just to impress other people. And the rabbi wrote back to them, like, so it's going to make you the best version. Use it for what, milk it for what it's worth. Channel it. You have this personality already. Use it. Another negative personality that the rabbit showed us how to channel. And this is something that many of us can relate to. Jealousy. Jealousy is total sh- just the klipa. It's a lie, right? Like, you know, I, Rabbi Rabashkin has this in his book. I loved it. He used to get a lot of mail when he was in prison. And a lot of the other um, prisoners would be very jealous of him. He would get angry at him. How come he would get mail after mail after letter after letter from colleagues all over the world and they got nothing? And he once said to them, he said, what are you jealous of my mail? If I give you my mail, will it help you? Is it addressed to you? You can't even read it. It's Hebrew. It's Yiddish. You won't understand what it's saying. He was trying to explain it's so pointless to be jealous of someone else's mail. It's not yours. So jealousy is a lie. You think you could have something that doesn't belong to you. You're jealous of someone else's success. You're jealous of someone else's success. You're jealous of someone else's anything. It's a total lie to believe it. And yet, the Rebbe once wrote to Rabbi Velvel Green, I envy how much your Hasidus has reached so many different people on so many different topics. Unbelievable. And the rabbi taught that you're already jealous of somebody. Don't put yourself up about the jealousy. How could you channel it 
not with resentment. How can you channel it to make you step up your game? Taking darkness. It's like almost like a mathematical equation. There's darkness. You transfer it into light, reveal Hashem Shina, and this cannot happen anywhere else. It's this physical world. No mistakes can happen up there. The only way Hashem's Shina and essence could be revealed, the only way Hashem could be happy in his garden is when we take, that's the recipe. We get dark, we make it into light. Every single time. You're feeling this pang of jealousy at somebody? Okay. How could I use it to channel it to make myself better? To not be satisfied spiritually. I think it was Yitzhak Rabin who once came, once came to the rabbi. The rabbi asked him how he's doing and he said something like, I'm okay, thank God. And the rabbi said, actually, you shouldn't be so satisfied. And he explained to him the whole idea of which literally means when it comes to heavenly things, look upwards. And when it comes to physical things, look downwards. And the rabbi says, you want to be satisfied with what you have? Be satisfied with what you have, Bagashmias. Be happy with your house. Be happy with your family. Be happy with your job. Be happy with whatever Hashem has given you, Bagashmias. The Ruchnias, spiritually look up. Look at who has more than you. Don't be satisfied with the status quo. Physically, look down. Spiritually, look up. Take that envy and let it make you make a better person. And again, I really hope that as we're speaking, I would love for you to see it through the prism as everybody has that thing on their heart that's catching at them. It could be many things. Think one and be creative with it. I think that, you know, when we teach Basilagani as just a subject and a spitback or just as like a picture, what we're, what we're not spending enough time doing is the creative application. And no one could do that for you. You could do it together with a mashpia, but it actually has to be taken and applied, literally the way Rabbi Jacobson talks about Hasidus applied to your sheker, to your individual lie that your Yitzhahara trips you up on time and again. And every single time, it's like, you're shining a light, you're shining a light, you're shining a light. You're bringing that Shina here. That's the garden. It's no shocker that there's mud. Get to the gold. Even something like, like being like an atheist could be channeled in, the, in a positive way. There's the story of Rebbe Yitzhak Mubarak Somebody said to him, you say you should learn from everything. What could you learn from an atheist? Rebbe Yitzhak said, you can learn from an atheist as he doesn't rely on God to take care of other people. He goes and helps people himself. <laughs> what God? You know, some people are like, oh, Hashem should help them. Yeah. <laughs> what Hashem should help them? Get up and help them. Give them money. Cook food. You're feeling doubts? Okay. You're feeling doubt in Hashem? So, 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 so let's go do something. In fact, there was, I think, a journalist who came to the Rebbe once, and the Rebbe explained this in an unbelievable way. The famous Gemara that says, before Mashiach comes, chutzpah yaska. There's going to be a lot of chutzpah. There's a bunch of descriptions. The, the, the face of the generation will look like the face of a dog. A lot of tragedies that will take place before Mashiach comes. And then it ends off and says, and we need Hashem's help. And the rabbit turned it on its head and said, actually, relying on Hashem's help is one of the tragedies of Ikhfasad Mashiach before Mashiach comes. If people, instead of getting up and making gemachs and doing organizations and getting busy, will be like, okay, yeah, whatever, Hashem, Hashem will take care of them, yeah. No! If you're already doubting, channel that into, okay? It's like somebody wrote into the rabbi that their child also was feeling very um, was concerned. This child was very selfish, very self-absorbed. And the rabbi says, it does say, mm-hmm. and the way this child could be taught 
the whole world was created for me. If I think the whole world was created for me, I want the best world possible. I'm going to do something. So again, in all these scenarios, the Rebbe is taking something and turning it on its head. And that's our job. That's what it means to take darkness into light, to take down into up, to take the, the personality we're given in and revealing Hashem's light in it. It's not spiritual, theoretical, out of this world. It's actual. It's relative to what are the things that are so hard for me. It is so hard for me to be organized, to be whatever it is. Yes, I, I can get angry. And there's different clues. You know, when Tanya talks about the different elements and the different personalities that come based on the different elements. There's the fire people. They tend to be arrogant or angry. There's the people that are the air people. They might be boastful uh, or full of hot air or just like to talk a lot. There are people who are like water, which is that they, you know, they're full of tithes. They, they, they like to indulge and they're full of pleasures. And there's, there's the earth people who might be a little lazy. They might be very depressed. Okay, so this is the personality Hashem gave you. Each one of the four things that we just said, a fire, air, right, earth, water, could also be channeled in a positive way. The fire person could have passion in serving Hashem. And the earthy person can be very detailed and meticulous and methodical. Right now, all these examples that I'm giving are all very generous. It could apply to all of you. It could apply to some of you. It's a sprinkling. The point of the Fabring and the point of sitting here on your Shabbat, the point of Basilagani is think for a moment how to apply it into your life. And, and, and ask yourself, what's the lie here? <laughs> ask yourself, is this a situation of a scafia? I have to control myself from yelling and emotionally just throwing up at somebody? Or is this a situation of ashapka? Is this a situation of channeling, of turning things over, of utilizing the strength that Hashem gave me? Because I got plenty of weaknesses. So do we all. The whole kunz, the whole joy, right? It talks about in the Zahar that who has more pleasure? A farmer that just gets fertile ground, plants and gets crop, or a farmer that gets a really dry field and has to work on it and put effort, the second one. And what happens is, is that we resist when we think something is wrong. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And puts us in a position where it's actually a disadvantage. It's like, you know, when you're in pain and you clench yourself, it actually hurts more. You have to relax your body in order to be able to actually experience less pain and be able to figure out how to handle it. In life, when we resist what's happening, we actually make it worse. When we recognize this is what's happening. Oh, every single time that I have an urge, a desire, an impulse, a compulsion to do the wrong thing. And I don't. And I'm fighting this war and I'm saying it's not true that I have to, that, that I have to give into it right now. This is another popular lie of Sahara. I don't do it, right? The same way a little kid, if I don't have this ice cream, then I'm, I'm going to die. We think if we're not going to give in, if we're not going to have what we think we have, we're just, it's not true. It's another story from Rabbi Rabashka, and I just heard him speak this past Mr. Shabbos. He said that one time when his child, who's then eight years old, Uziel, I think his name is, came to visit him, he it was very hot, and he really wanted some ice cream that was there, but the ice cream was not Chal Yisrael. So he tried to reason with him. He tried to tell him, you know, Ziel, if you don't eat the ice cream now, when you leave, mommy will buy you kosher ice cream, like in Muncie. He sounds like, no, I want it now. I'm hot. Da, da, da. He started making so much noise that the guard threatened to have to send them out. And Roshkin was getting very desperate. So he's like, 
mommy will buy you two ice creams. He's like, no, I want it now. Three, four, five. He said he got up to 10 ice creams. He was trying to bribe his kids. And if he just doesn't eat the Nachal Bishol ice cream, he'll get 10 ice creams. And forever Rashi was very important that he keeps the standard that he set. You know, there are different people who certain Hashem are acceptable. For him, that was important, but didn't work. Finally, he changed. He said something, he said, listen to me. If you have the ice cream now, you're gonna enjoy it. But if you don't have the ice cream now, and you get ice cream later, you're gonna enjoy that too, but also Hashem will be happy because he's gonna have so much pleasure from the fact that you had self-control. He said in a second, his son was like, okay. All the speaking, the language of the animal soul, talking to just his intellect wasn't convincing him. He didn't care about 10 ice creams, he wanted it now. Speaking the language of the soul, telling him you're going to make God happy, awaken something in him. And guess what? I tried to try it. My son the other day, he's three, told him time to make a bracha on his tzitzis. And he's like, I don't want to. And I said to him, you know, there's a part of you that doesn't want to, but Samach, you have an neshama and your neshama really wants to. And he made the bracha on his tzitzis. I couldn't believe it. But it's this self-concept that we're speaking about recognizing that we have this soul we have this essence we are equipped with unlimited spiritual treasures to overcome our challenges we doubt ourselves we don't think we could do it we can we have hashem on our side we have this spiritual or these treasures we have Tyra, we have Hasidus, we have friends, we have people to look up to, mentors. We have the Rebbe's teachings and the Rebbe's example. This is the mission that the Rebbe set forth in his Basilagani, which is in this mimer that the Rebbe gave on this day, Yitzvah. He took over the Nasius and he said, people, I trust you could do this. I trust that you could light, 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 light. And that's really what Gaula is. Gaula is not this like disconnected, separate thing that we're going to get as a gift for like being so good. Like when kids are so good, they get a pizza party as a reward. No. The way Hasidus understands Mashiach is if you clean your room, and you put all the toys away, you're going to have a clean room. So if we're going to reveal light and reveal light and reveal light and reveal light, we're going to have a lit world. We're going to have a Mashiach world. We're going to have a garden of a world. It won't be such an oxymoron to say world garden. It will be beautiful, not just beautiful on the outside, not just skin deep, but all the way, a deep, 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 deep beauty. That's what Hashem is craving. Hashem is craving, craving that we take our individual shekers, our individual lies and transform them, turn them over, not buy into them. Take whatever challenge that we're struggling and just put it by that litmus test. Is this something I have to overcome with the scathia? Subduing it? Or is this something that I overcome by is hapcha, by channeling it, by using this and like vaulting off of it, by using the strength. And I, I really, it's something that I've been working on myself lately and on my children. Because I have a kid who's, I, I'm zeroing in on his generosity and his kindness his natural abilities to help him overcome other challenges. We have ways to compensate for our shortcomings by focusing on our strengths, by turning what seems to be something negative into something positive. 
And that might be just because I got so much closer to Hashem through this challenge. That's turning darkness into light. And that's what I invite you to do. Think one thing that's challenging you and how you could identify, share it with a friend, share it with a, a, a mentor, share it with, write it down, make it real for yourself because this is not spitback class. This is real life. And in real life, I don't want to be talking at you. I want us to be sharing something so that you could apply it. Take one thing and say, how are you growing from it? How are you turning that darkness and making it into such a source of joy and pride? Because again, if something doesn't come naturally to you, oh, how much joy you feel. I don't naturally, I'm not naturally organized. When I clean and organize and make my bed, the joy that I have, I'm so proud of it. And that's what we're after. We're after the joy. We're after the light. We're after the Hashem essence itself that will come from you taking one area of darkness and turning it over into light. And that, that's really what the base of English is built out of. That's what our, our homes, that's what our gardens, that's what our Mishkan inside of heart, that's, that's what it's built out. And the Rebbe ends off the Mimer saying that this is what's happening. By Yidin doing this avayda, of, of revealing light, that's really what's going to make us zaycha to the ultimate base HaMikdash, where Hashem is really going to be revealed in all of his essence, like Aishud Bey said, unlimited of the unlimited, just like his light, all the deepest, 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 deepest levels right here in Ghani, in Knuni, this world, and it's going to be because of our work. It's going to be because of us. So l'chaim to all of us that we should have this ability to internalize Basi Lagani, that we should connect to the Rebbe by learning his Taira, by experiencing personal redemptions, and that collectively all of our personal redemptions really, really bring us to the global, the global Mashiach for all of us. May it be now, 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 now. We hope you enjoyed today's recording. Please take a moment to leave a rating or a review to help others find the podcast. We welcome you to support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. For feedback, please email podcast at mikvah.org. Have a wonderful day.